When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey parents, Tim Wright here along with Dr. Michael Gurian and welcome to The Wonder of Parenting, a brain science approach to parenting. We are so glad to have you with us and uh, we are brought to you uh, by our good friends up in the Seattle area, Dr. Greg Jantz and the Center of Place of Hope. Their caring and experienced staff provide professional excellence in the treatment of depression, anxiety, eating disorders, trauma, addiction, abusive relationships, and more. If you'd like to know more about the work that they might be able to provide for you in getting healthy or someone you love in getting healthy, you can go to wonderofparenting.com. We've got a link for them. And we also have a link for Man Cave. Uh, men all need to be caring, actively engaged, vested, and encouraged. Their mission is to improve the well-being of children by increasing the number of children growing up with engaged, committed, and responsible fathers or male role models. If you'd like more information about Man Cave, you can go to wonderofparenting.com. That's wonderofparenting.com for links to both of our sponsors. Michael, uh, we've got a good uh, question today from one of our listeners. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Yeah, very exciting. Love answering these questions. So glad everyone yeah. writes them in. And and if if you don't didn't know this, you can send us questions in two ways. One is uh, through our website, wonderparenting.com. And the other is by going to Facebook and joining our Facebook group. You just type in Wonder of Parenting, uh, hit the join link, and as soon as I get the notification, we'll let you in. And a lot of good questions on there as well. And we'll grab some of those questions from time to time. Uh, and even if we don't grab the question there, uh, there are all kinds of parents who are uh, chiming in with their great wisdom to those questions. So we encourage you to join our Wonder of Parenting group there on Facebook. So this is from one of our listeners, and um, she it's, it's a, a little bit uh, long, but it's really helpful for us to get a, a good picture of what's going on. And uh, I think this is something a lot of parents are going to relate to. Uh, hello. Thank you very much for your work and your podcast. It is so helpful. I'm hoping for some guidance in encouraging my child in independent play. She is almost five years old. I'm a single mom and have basically uh, have been basically her single mom for her whole life. She spends 100% of her time living with me. Needless to say, we're together at almost all times. She really struggles to engage in independent play at home. She has always preferred playing with someone, though I know that she has the ability to play on her own and enjoy it. She regularly plays on her own at school, specifically during rest time as she does not nap. Lately, it seems as though her willingness to play independently for even a short period of time at home is very small. She quickly becomes very upset about it, and once calmer, will just sit and wait for me to become available to play instead of playing on her own. I usually push it and require her to do at least uh, to at least do something on her own before I come and join her, though this typically ends in a meltdown. She has age-appropriate toys, safe spaces, and all the tools necessary to enjoy a bit of time in independent play. When I, when I request that she goes to play, she gets upset and will often express that she wants to play with me and does not like to be away from me. 
She says that when we are not together, she feels like I might not be in the house. We've had many conversations about that and put a few tools in place to remind her that I am home, like playing black uh, background music in the house, uh, checking in frequently, positive self-talk, etc. She has struggled and continues to work through separating from me in certain times, specifically playtime and with a babysitter. I've tried making independent play a part of her normal daily routine. We start together and then I let her continue on her own. Though lately there are situations where I'm not able to start with her and she needs to be able to initiate on her own. Instead, she will continue to sit and wait or cry and wait. This will go on until we need to move on to something else or another situation arises and we now have to address that. Like her needing to retry, uh, needing to retry her responses to me, res- misusing something around her, etc. I want to build her independence and help her learn confidence in playing on her own. I'm beginning to feel overwhelmed by the inability to do separate things. I think it's a very important skill for her to learn for her own development as well. I'm unsure how to help her learn to separate specifically in play and looking for any help or guidance as to what might be the deeper issue as well as how to help her. Thank you very much. All right. There's a lot in there, Michael, and uh, it's a great question. So would love to hear what your initial responses are. Yeah, you're speaking the truth. There is a lot in here. And thank you to this mom for writing this in. And of course, she's a wonderful mom. Uh, she's working so hard with this child. Um, uh, and and at the same time, because she gave so much detail, I can, I'm making doing some of the detective work. And maybe some of our listeners who listen to it are already doing some detective work about the attachment, the separation anxiety and, and mm-hmm. potential attachment issues that this child is having. And, you know, uh, likely, likely she says, I'm a single mom. And she says, I always have been. So likely dad is not in the picture. Um, uh, and it sounds like this mom is kind of on her own in raising this daughter. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yep. so there, and there could, there could be other trauma in the background. Um, you know, child is five years old, has something else happened that's traumatic, uh, uh, was the breakup really traumatic if and when the breakup happened? Uh, is there something else going on? Um, because this is a significant amount of separation anxiety. And and um, it's specifically directed to and with the mom because at school, um, she's she plays okay, right? She says, uh, this mom says she doesn't nap, but she just plays independently while the other kids nap. So, you know, the mom is sort of the target of this. And that would make sense if there's uh, this is connected to attachment. So, um, I, I I think that if this, I'm going to look at it from the various angles. If this continues for a long time, you know, let's set a date. Let's say for six more months, if this continues, or three to six more months, the mom has to follow her instincts. Maybe it it would be good to talk to someone else mm. to get some pediatric counseling. Um, if it's severe, like when it comes to us in an email, it sounds really severe. It could well be, uh, this is only happening, you know, once every fourth day, but if this is happening every day, then, okay, then, you know, give it a couple, three more months to see if it's a phase and, and give it a couple, three more months to see if what the mom is doing will end up working. And she's doing all these wonderful strategies, having conversations, having music in the background, you know, all of these things that she's doing, which are great. Um, see if it's a phase that passes and, and, um, but if not, if this is this becoming its own trauma, which it is right. The child is, is 
that this family system, which is the mom and the daughter, are kind of creating new trauma every time. Um, and some of that trauma is normal in childhood, and that's why we wait to see if it's a phase. Um, but if it accumulates and it's just getting too difficult, then I think the mom ought to bring someone else into the conversation. I think also to strategically in the in the short term, um, bring more people in, like more play dates, more grandma and grandpa mm-hmm. if they're nearby, or or her best friend who has a child this age and play dates with them. You know, bring more community in so that it isn't all falling on the mom. And the mom, I'm sure, is very busy working, right? And so she's saying, I need this child to play independently. And, she, and she's right. You know, we, we'd like the child to play independently. So bring these other people in. And a good thing about that is that that will help counter the social anxiety or the separation anxiety or this fear, you know, that's in this child um, because all these other people are there. So they will stimulate the child and the child won't have, won't sit in the fear. While, mm-hmm. while sitting there crying and waiting for mom, right? She won't be able to sit in the fear because she's constantly being stimulated by other loving people and fun people um, and fun games. Uh, and uh, well, that's what I'll say for now. I have many other notes, mm-hmm. but that's probably enough for now. Can you uh, just from a general perspective, talk a bit about separation anxiety and and what that is Um I, I'm I'm intrigued in part because she does okay at school, mm-hmm. and you would think that's where you would see some of the separation anxiety because she is actually away from her mom. Um, so, because that was part of my experience as a kid, uh, when I was separated from my mom, that's when I would have some of my anxiety, not being with her and being in the same house. That was you know because I knew she was there. So, how, what is separation anxiety? How, what what sort of if anything triggers it? What's going on with separation anxiety mm-hmm. in kids? Okay, well the thing. Let me respond to the thing about the school. You know, in the school there are all these other people, and mm-hmm. it, it, she really feels very safe there, okay. and she doesn't have the expectation of her mom being there. And so that's going to lead me back to fully answering your question, but she doesn't have that Mm -hmm. expectation, right? She's got all this other stimulation and this other safe place and uh, ritualized and routine and, and, and there's massive amount of bonding going on, et cetera there. Um, So the separation anxiety is showing up with the mom. And so separation anxiety, mom is the primary caregiver and um, mom is the primary bond. And the, uh, it is normal at two to three years old for that separation anxiety uh, or just separation behavior to enter into the child. And the child, you know, is taken to preschool, let's say, that'd be the most famous example. Mom, uh, family takes the child to preschool. Let's say she's three, takes the, t- takes the child to preschool. The child cries right at the door. <laughs> Probably every parent have experienced this or most parents have. The child's crying. It tears at mom's heartstrings. Um, and I'll say as a dad, it tore at mine too, but mm-hmm. we'll say with mom here, it tears at mom's heartstrings, but she lets the child go to school. She knows it's healthy. And then once the child doesn't see mom anymore, right? Mom drives away and the child is brought into that community at the school. A lot of stimulation, a lot of new bonds, the separation anxiety goes away. Um, uh, and then it repeats the next day. And it's, and it is a phase. It is a normal part of individuation. It's a normal part, normal part of child development. It's a normal part of family life. So there's nothing really bad about separation anxiety. It's, it's an, it's normal. And, and if your child, you're listening to this and your child is going through it, it's normal. And, and it's, it is a phase and it does pass and everyone does their best to help the child, um, uh, 
And so then it generally passes. In this case, we have a separation anxiety that's gone on for a really, really long time. And as you smartly indicated, it's happening when the mom's around. Yeah. So that's what indicates that so the, the longevity of this state and then it not happening in school, but happening at home um, uh, and and, um, and kind of the way she, this mom laid it out, that indicates to me that, yeah, there's something they got to study here. Um, uh, there's something going on in the attachment and the bond. And it, if it's not going on in the attachment and the bond with mom, then it's in part going on because there's no dad because there aren't other people involved. In other words, the child is still stressing out the primary attachment and is not making other attachments. And so, uh, especially at home, um, and away from school. And so then it's really, uh, hyper extending the mom daughter bond the primary attachment bond. And so the individuation, it's not going through its natural phase. It's not being separation anxiety that after, you know, six months passes, um, uh, it's gone on for a few years. And that's what's different about this one, perhaps, than normal separation anxiety. You're listening to the Wonder of Parenting podcast, a brain science approach to parenting with uh, Dr. Michael Green, Tim Wright. And we are talking about how to help this uh, this mom and her daughter find a little bit of independence, and especially for the daughter. And so we're going to be back uh, in just a moment after uh, a few minutes, and we'll get back at this and look at some practical strategies for this mom. And for those of you who might be wrestling with this, you're listening to the Wonder of Parenting podcast. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So, Michael, I I want to uh, ask a question, and this is not in any way, shape, or form uh, to say anything negative about this little girl, but sometimes kids can, uh, they're pretty savvy, and they know that a great way to get mom's attention is to act like something's wrong. Um, Is there any way, shape, or form that this little girl, without knowing it, is is, uh, doing a little manipulating of the relationship herself? Oh yeah, absolutely. It, that is possible. Um, uh, it's going to be a combination of, um, like it's a pattern that they've, they've gotten into this mother daughter mm-hmm. and it's going to be a combination of, it starts the child having some anxiety, uh, and then, um, you know, and then she learns that she can get a certain kind of attention, right? We've called it negative attention, getting device. We've talked about it in the podcast where it, she's going to, probably get some negative attention, but at least it's relationship through conflict. Mm -hmm. And, um, so, so she doesn't want the mom to be gone. (laughs) She's got whatever is going on for her in the attachment, or if there's been trauma, whatever is happening there. Um, uh, but she wants that mom nearby (laughs) and how can she get the mom nearby? Well, she can uh, cause this power struggle, right. And she cannot play independently. And then that has to engage the mom. And then the mom at some point is going to get frustrated with her, which would be really normal for the mom to get, right? That's going to come off as anger and conflict, which it is, and um, or at least frustration and conflict. And then that is a circle. 
and and the child is relating through conflict. So the child is bonded and attached to mom, but now is doing it through more conflict, which creates more frustration and and embeds this power struggle into the mom daughter relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it's you know it seems like it just it, I feel like from this email this has gone on a long time. If this only started mm-hmm. a month ago, I'm wrong. But if this has gone on a long time, then they have embedded this relating through conflict and um they're gonna need to the mom is is you know can go get help if she feels the child needs help that's always available and also really needs to bring in more people and and needs to try like you mentioned that we're going to look at strategies i mean i really think a potential strategy is to have the child playing in the same room the mom is for a while but 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 so that there's the presence, you know, so the child is not far away, not in another room, but mom is working in her home office, let's say, and the child is over here in a play area and maybe mom uses earphones so she's not distracted and just try like for a month having the child playing nearby, laying out the rule though, you know, which I think they she can leverage this with the child saying to the child, you know, it's really making you sad that I'm not near you when you play. So we're going to try for a month is I am going to be near you. So you can't get in conflict with me now, right? Because I have to work, but I am going to be near you. So mm-hmm. now you go ahead and play and I'll wear my earphones. And in a half hour, I'll, I'll come, you know, I'll come see what you're up to because I want to admire what you're doing. And we'll, you know, we'll do two or three minutes of me. Basically, you know, mom is bonding again um, verbally with the child and mm-hmm. admiring. And then I'm going to go back to half hour. I have to work with my headphones on and, and, you know, maybe try that, uh, for a month or something like that to see if that cuts out the, the bonding, uh, and relating through conflict. Um, because maybe some of this conflict gets cut away now and maybe the child will a month from now decide to start playing in the living room. You know, I, I mean, that's possible. Uh, mm-hmm. because the conflict isn't needed anymore by the child to have the bonding because the presence is there. The mom and the daughter are together. They're 10 feet away. So the bonding is there. Uh, it's, it's worth a try. Um, yeah. I think just like, I think it's really definitely worth a try that the mom and this daughter are not alone very much, um, during playtime, that there are other people around during playtime so that mm-hmm. the onus is off of the mom. Yeah. Which is interesting because she, she does say here that, uh, even though her daughter is pretty good at at uh, alone time or you know playing by herself at school, she likes to be with other kids when she's playing. So it I get the sense that this is a fairly sociable kid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe she's maybe more the extrovert just loves to have people around her versus the introvert who uh, but she's she's kind of, um, it, it sounds like she just always wants somebody there with her when she's playing. And, and mom seems to recognize that, but mom also needs her daughter to build in that independent time because mom needs a break. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The mom is right that this daughter at five years old needs to be able to play independently. It's just kind of trying to sort through, you know, where, where is this coming from? Like, let me, I'll use yeah. the terms I always use nature, nurture, culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. I mean, everything that we do in life, is in some way going to be connected to nature, nurture, culture, uh, because those are the three primary elements in which we walk through life. And um, 
it could be that this child naturally could have come from the mom, could have come from the dad. Maybe it's a trade in grandparents that that some of the, some of this came in on personality, right? Some of this came mm-hmm. on the personality genome that this is something in this child, and and if mom was this way, if you know, I, as you know, I'm always asking parents who are facing things with their kids to call all their relatives, you know, and, yeah. and ask their relatives, was I like this? Um, were any of you like this? You know, because this could come in, part of this could be nature. And then those people, that's why I always want to get families involved, grandparents, all these other people, these other people can say, oh yeah, you were like this and here's what we did, you know, so that, so you can get some clues from nature there. So some could be nature. The nurture part, you know, could be what we talked about, or maybe some attachment trauma, lack of dad lack of you know other parent um and disc some kind of disconnect or there was divorce trauma or whatever that is that could be in the nurture system um and then culture effects because and you can see it affecting because when the child is at school as he wisely said and as she wisely said that is a culture that is that is helping the child with all that stimulation with all Mm -hmm. those toys with all those people all that bonding that little preschool culture the child is walking through and not having trouble in um, right. And and so we want to try to recreate a culture at home, let's say, that's like that, where there are all these other people involved. It's not all on mom. And and if it has to be mom alone, where where the attachment is nearby, because right when the girl is in that preschool and playing, there are people all around her. So she doesn't have to feel anxiety that the people she's bonded with are not around her. They are. Mm-hmm. They're just napping. Right. But they're right there. And so that's kind of why I would ask the mom to maybe experiment with having her in the same room, if that if that can work, to try to recreate what is the culture in which she's doing really well. That's the preschool culture on this issue. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It, it's such an interesting dynamic going on with this young girl. And we're going to uh, tease out some more here in just a moment. We're going to take a, a brief break and then we'll be back with uh, Michael to talk about this little girl, young girl, five years old. Uh, and her mom wants her to be a bit more independent. And if you've got a daughter or son like that, you're going to want to stay tuned as we wrap up and spend about another eight, nine minutes talking about some strategies to help you do that. This is the Wonder Parenting Podcast, a brain science approach to parenting. We'll be back in just a moment. So, Michael, um, one of the things that I, I think about as a dad, you know, we we always sort of fall back on those old things that may or may not be helpful. I'm thinking bribes at this point. Uh, you know, how do I, how do I bribe my daughter, uh, to give me some space, um, which is a crass way of saying, how can I help my daughter learn a little bit of independence? Um, and, and one thought I had, as you were talking about, uh, you know, have her play in the same room. Uh, what about, uh, putting a, uh, you know, sort of a timer on things and say, okay, let's practice now if we're going to go for five minutes. I just want you to be in that other room there for five minutes. You play by yourself and then just sort of increase time. Uh, and, you know, and if you do that for whatever, we get we get you up to an hour, uh, I'll buy you a horse. You know, how, how, do, how do those guys? <laughs> uh, I've just ruined everything that you've said over the last four years on Wonder Parenting Podcast. So, no, no, so, but, I, but talk I like about, it. Yeah, so talk about, you know, are, are there ways to encourage a lengthening of time uh, sort in the same house, uh, but to practice and say, Hey, we're, let's make a game of this. How, how, how might we do that? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love what you're saying. I, I don't know about buying the horse, but I love that that came into your mind. Like, um, <laughs> I love it. Uh, okay. But the, yeah, I think there's a lot of wisdom in what you're saying um, strategically to leverage things and to use the timer. Um, you know, I think the timer might even work better than the, than sort of reward leveraging initially yeah. um, or use them in concert. The, the, because we don't want to, we don't want to say, well, if you play together, I'm sorry, if you if you play separately in that room for five minutes, I'm going to give you a piece of candy. Right. If we're going to do it that way, we got to set it higher, like at 30 mm-hmm. minutes, you know, or that can start becoming an issue. But the concept is is really useful, especially in tandem with the timer, because what the timer does, it does make it a game and it does, um, which can be stimulated for that child and it makes it a contest and and the child's already in power struggle. So why not, you know, move the struggle or the power or the contest into a different realm and um, and then reward. Uh, but, the, you know, the reward, maybe start out with the rewards being hugs or mm-hmm. or like I was saying with the with the um, uh, if you go a half hour playing on your own, then I'm going to come and sit and admire you know, or we're going to then draw together for five minutes. So yeah. maybe the the reward rather than a piece of candy or money or something like that initially would be in the bonding, in the relationship. Yeah. And that is a reward. Um, and definitely set the timer. That's just a great yeah. idea. I, I'd rather have the pony, but that's okay. I, I, I know, get the point. Know. Yeah. No, that makes I don't want great. these parents to go broke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, and, and of course it was all tongue in cheek, but I, right. I love that idea. Make it a little bit of a game and then, hey, in five minutes, I'm going to come in and just see what you did or we're going to color together and then do it again. And wow, we went 10 minutes this time and 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 build that. Now, what about uh, is this helpful or not to bring in more play dates for that child yep. at at the house? Yeah, that's was one of the things I, you know, it was saying initially, we got to get more people yep. involved here. And so mm-hmm. it's a little more work for mom to call friends and Mm-hmm. Call call the preschool. So I don't know the friendship base that the mom has, but if she doesn't have a friendship base where other kids are five year olds, then the preschool she can get connected to all the other preschool parents, and mm-hmm. through all the other preschool parents, she can set up play dates at their houses and at her house, and um and and that's just getting more relationship involved, getting more people involved, um and she probably can't supervise a play date herself five days a week because she's working, right. so um she can alternate with the other moms and dads uh, or, or she can experiment with her supervising the play date actually. uh, And it's going on in the other room and she only has to check in every hour or every half hour that then becomes two weeks later, every hour. Right. Mm -hmm. Because these, these girls are just having such a great time with each other playing. Uh, She can experiment with those timelines because initially, you know, a mom listening to this or a parent listening to this may say, yeah, but, I got to work. I can't set up the play date. My daughter just has to do this. Right. Yeah. And okay. In a, in a perfect world, maybe that would be the case, but given this situation, uh, this is a situation where taking the 10 minutes on the phone to set up the play date and then taking five to 10 minutes every hour to check in lays massive dividends because previously she was in this power struggle for the five hours she's trying to work right with the child but now she just has to focus on that child for the five or five minutes every Mm -hmm. hour and so when she actually adds up the time she'll say oh no this is actually a big gain for me even though i had to focus on this play date and Mm -hmm. if it's not that way in the beginning i think she'll find it will be that way 
two weeks from now, a month from now, you know, at a certain point, she's going to get the time gain um, by setting up the play date. Yeah. You talk often about you, these islands of competence. And of course, at five, um, you know, they, they don't know enough about themselves to know what it is. But what triggers it for me is uh, helping the child find something where she just loses herself mm-hmm. in the project, in the uh, in the building of something, creating. Um, and it uh, it sounds like her mom has bought her a lot of really good things mm-hmm. to, to keep her occupied, but there, there's not that one thing yet, sounds like, that where the daughter just can lose herself. Um, you know, when my grandson comes over, he just beelines. He hardly talks to grandma and grandpa anymore. He just beelines into the toy room and he's off in his own, you know, building Legos and, you know, having his independent time uh, plays well by himself because he's found that passion, that thing that he loves, right? Putting Legos together and tearing them apart. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you help a, a five-year-old sort of discover that thing where she can lose herself for 45 minutes to an hour and kind of sort of forget that she's worried about mom not being there? Yeah. Right. Um, well, the, uh, part of it, she's only five. So you're right, right that it's very possible. We don't know the islands of competence yet. Um, and however, having said that the mom and the preschool teachers could talk and they mom could ask them like, what do you think she's you know really good at? What is, mm-hmm. when she plays at school, what is she playing the most with? Right. And yeah. so do a little assessment there, a little evaluation and, and, uh, and then, you know, make a list. Um, and then, and then uh, you're right. Enhance that at, at uh, home, if and by her specifically those sorts of things to play with, uh, if we know what what one of these islands is. And then meanwhile, we we well meanwhile we want to say don't let the screen be the thing she absorbs herself in. Yes. So five is too young. So there's a temptation to say, well, I bet if she watched a movie yeah. on her iPad for two hours, it would help me. But five years old, we don't really want to get that pattern going. So then we look at we look at, you know, sort of three different kinds of toys uh, that can get us started. One kind is building toys. So like you mentioned, Legos. So Mm -hmm. make sure she has those play with her on those. See if she wants those, if those are going to help her building toys, other sets of toys are craft, you know, arts and crafts toys, like drawing, Mm -hmm. of course, is is Mm -hmm. a part of that. Uh, Play-Doh, any of that sort of thing. Um, And then the third is relational. Um, especially for a girl, oxytocin, bonding. So we're talking dolls. And by relational, we tend to mean that she can verbalize with. So um, she'll she'll take care of them sensorially like dolls and she'll, she'll verbalize with them. And it could be she can lose herself in those. And, and she could also maybe lose herself in a combination of those because she could build a little play area out of Legos. Mm-hmm. She could first draw a design of what she wants or, you know, I'm putting it together. And then she puts her dolls in this area and she talks to her dolls. Um, uh, so be thinking building tools, right? Building toys, arts and crafts toys, and then verbalizing toys, relational mm-hmm. toys like dolls. And and maybe just start there as categorizing, categorizing them in the different parts of the room and then challenge her to bring them together. Like mom could say, for this next hour, we're going to bring them together. And let's play with them all and let's see what you do with that and see if the girl builds something and then puts dolls in it. And, you know, so creating a kind of environment that she may be able to lose herself in um, tomorrow when the mom needs her to play independently. Of course, if she had a pony, 
That would take ah. a lot of her time. Oh, no, that would take a lot of mom's time, though, right? Because <laughs> that girl ain't taking care of that pony. <laughs> mom is taking care yeah. of that pony. <laughs> so uh, what I appreciate about this mom is, is you know, she, she really uh, understands what's going on with her daughter. There's no mention of her just plopping her down in front of screens, which is really healthy. Right. She's really right. working hard to keep her daughter engaged. And um, so we're, we're hoping that uh, maybe one or two of these things that Michael has shared with you today will stick and um, be able to, uh, uh, to get at that once again. Uh, and, uh, and we hope, uh, get back to us. If something works, get back to us. We'd love to hear uh, from you on that. So uh, you can uh, access us at wonderparenting.com wonderparenting.com or our Facebook page. If you go to wonder parenting and hit join, we'll let you in. Michael, thank you uh, as always for some great insights today. Hey, thank you, Tim. Thanks everyone. And thank you everyone for listening to the wonder parenting podcast. We'll be back with you next time.